3: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Welcome to the
4: Mother of All Talk Shows Extra. If you're watching on Facebook, please share now with all of your contacts, all of your friends. If you're watching on my YouTube channel, please subscribe. If you're watching on Twitter, And on Twitch, well, long may it continue. But should it not continue, you have to know this. You must follow me on my Telegram channel. That's where my Twitter output will go if it's no longer possible to have it on Twitter. It's t.me forward slash George Galloway. And as for the mother of all talk shows, never mind the mother of all talk shows extra, if you want to be certain that you'll continue to be able to see this, and for the last four shows in a row, almost 1.2 million on average of you have watched, all or part of the show. But should it come to pass that you can no longer get it on your usual channels, you need to subscribe to my Patreon channel. That's patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. It would cost you a pound a week, but then that's the cost of a cup of tea in a transport cafe. Certainly nowhere near the price of a cup of tea in one of the high street cafes. So if you think I'm worth it, you're going to have to subscribe because no one can tell in this atmosphere of witch hunt, just exactly who and when it's going to disappear. Ed Schultz, my late friend from RT America, is four years in the grave, God rest his soul. But a tweet was resurfaced from his long dormant Twitter account of something that he put out in 2018 before he died. And it was stamped, Russian-affiliated media. And he's not even a dead Russian, not like Dostoevsky, not like Solzhenitsyn. He's not even an animated Russian like Sergei and Alexander and their little son Oleg. No, he's a dead American, a man that used to be a major figure in US television. He's four years dead, but they still are stamping him with the dreaded words. So you never know what's coming next. The uh, magnificent Russian tennis player Medvedev has been told that he will not be able to play at Wimbledon this year unless he denounces his own government. Just think about that for a minute. And just thank your lucky stars that that was never applied to British and American sports stars and entertainers when Britain and America, in complete defiance of international law, killed a million people in the illegal invasion of Iraq. Just thank your lucky stars that no one thought of that one. I don't know what Medvedev will do, I know what I would do in his shoes, but there's a lot of money and prestige at stake at Wimbledon. If he does, Bow the knee, uh, then the disgrace will be not on him, but on the Lawn Tennis Association and the British tennis authorities. And what will it be worth to have a man denounce his own country on pain of being drummed out of the sport that he loves and excels in? Advantage McCarthyism, Uh, the touchline judge might opine. Centuriously, the uh, whole idea of witch hunting people because they are Russians quite belies uh, the absolute lie uh, that the West, that's 10% of the human population, is not at war with Russians, only with their government. Well, Medvedev, the tennis player, sure ain't a part of the Russian government, but he's being witch hunted. He's being blackmailed. He's being browbeaten. Ditto Chelsea Football Club, who were told that they could not sell tickets to their own fans for the upcoming FA Cup tie with Middlesbrough. An absolute witch hunt is destroying a football team that is a world power in the game. The Champions League holders are being systematically deconstructed because their owner is, or rather was, A Russian, it's a double is or was because Roman Abramovich on the face of it no longer owns Chelsea and Roman Abramovich is no longer a Russian but the supporters, hundreds of thousands of them of Chelsea Football Club are being victimized by a set of football authorities uh, that gave permission for the royal family of Saudi Arabia to take over another prime English premiership football team, Newcastle United. This after they chopped the Washington Post columnist, Jamal Khashoggi, into pieces in their consulate in Istanbul and flushed him down the drain. This after, just two days ago, that same Saudi regime actually chopped the heads off 81 people in a single day. The biggest act of head-chopping since ISIS. Oh, wait, even ISIS never cut 81 people's heads off on the same day. Although they probably got near to that grisly record. And speaking of Saudi Arabia, who's there right now? The British Prime Minister... Boris Johnson, seeking to take the high ground over Ukraine, is in Riyadh on his knees, kissing the ring of the Saudi crown prince who murdered Jamal Khashoggi, who gave the order to decapitate 81 people in a single day, many of them captured for protesting for democracy when they were teenagers. Boris Johnson's there kissing the ring, begging for more oil production from the Saudis. Joe Biden would be there if he could find his way to the airport. And I don't know, Nancy Pelosi, if she could stay off the gin for long enough, she'd be there too. But the Saudis actually won't take a telephone call from Joe Biden, who, of course, in his election campaign, Promised to be really, really tough with them to reset relations with Saudi Arabia, even though he's now by letter because they won't take the telephone call begging them to save America's economy by upping their production. Saudi Arabia has just announced that it will sell its oil in the Chinese currency RMB from now on. And that's why Vladimir Putin is right today when he says that this conflict in Ukraine has marked the end of the West's economic and political domination of the globe. Sing hallelujah to that, for it has gone on for far too long. Hundreds of years it's been going on. I'm on South African Broadcasting Corporation, their BBC, uh, in a debate tomorrow. Although they couldn't find anyone to debate against me, they had to get a guy from New York. Why do you think South Africa, all of Africa, is against the NATO provocation towards Russia, the NATO encroachment upon Russia, which has been answered in this invasion of Ukraine? There's never been a Russian Congo or a Chinese Congo, but there was I'm afraid to say for hundreds of years, the bloodiest of all colonial outposts, the Belgian Congo, where the richest country in Africa was systematically looted of its people and of its treasure by King Leopold of the Belgians, long gone. But Belgium is where the headquarters of NATO and of the European Union currently is. And one of the things we'll be looking at tonight is what all of this means for Europe as a continent, for the EU as an economic and political bloc, and for the European economy. And it doesn't make happy reading, I must tell you. So we'll be looking at just exactly who is who in this whole affair. I've made my position very clear from the beginning. I did not expect this invasion. I did not want this invasion. But now that this invasion has happened, it's far better that it comes to a negotiated end as quickly as possible, like tomorrow. It is vital for the preservation of Ukraine's infrastructure, and above all, its innocent civilian population, uh, that the Forces of the coup regime in Kiev lay down their arms and negotiate a settlement, a settlement which could have been had before the invasion began. A settlement which, as Lavrov put it, is a set of minimal demands, the foremost of which is the treaty proof that Ukraine will never join NATO, never invite foreign armies or weapons onto their soil ever again. Uh, That Ukraine should be a neutral country, like Austria. It's hardly a high price to pay to be like Austria, to be like Switzerland, to be a bridge between the West and Russia if anyone ever again wishes to cross it, rather than a trench in which NATO can buckle down for the invasion of Russia at some time in the future. For those who say what a fanciful idea, well, not if you're Russian. Russia was invaded through exactly that European plane, through Ukraine, by Napoleon, by the Kaiser. And again by Adolf Hitler, three invasions from the West through Ukraine. They will never allow another one. As I put it to you, and it's chilling but true, the Russians would rather blow up the whole world than leave themselves naked and open to a fourth Western invasion of their country. Now, I'm not a supporter of Vladimir Putin. I've said many times uh, that if I was a Russian, I would have voted for someone else. I would have voted for the main opposition leader, Zhuganov. He's a communist. Not many people of you knew uh, that the second biggest party in Russia is the communist party. And they issued a statement this week, which in its clarity and its luminosity was the best thing I've read so far from Russia on how this disaster in Ukraine came about. I urge you to read it. You'll find it on my Twitter feed. It's a first class look at the history and present day reality of Ukraine. It makes for startling reading, not least in this regard. And these are the issues I wish to close on. It doesn't matter how many times you show people the swastikas, you show them the goose-stepping Nazi filth in Ukraine, you show them the SS insignia, you show them Stepan Banderas Avenue in Kiev, you show them the IKEA, IKEA, built by a flat pack, built by uh, the main Nazi leader in Sweden. The store is in Bandera Avenue in Kiev. You show them the city council of Kiev singing a song, a hymn of praise to Stepan Bandera. You saw a tweet this day from the, German, the Ukrainian ambassador in Germany, of all places, from Berlin, saying that he had been briefing the Ukrainian people living in Berlin and then laid flowers on the grave, and I quote, of our hero, Stepan Bandera, who was Stepan Bandera. If you don't know by now, you need to know this. Babi Yar, you need to know that Bandera and his gang of Jew killers massacred thousands of Jews, not far from that television tower that the Russians blew up in the center of Kiev early in the war. They took thousands of Jews to Babi Yar and they massacred them, and the Ukraine ambassador laid flowers on his grave today. Bandera didn't just collaborate with the Nazis. That's the least of it. He was a Nazi. He was a Ukrainian Nazi. He's responsible for the slaughter of hundreds of thousands of Jews and non-Jews from Poland and Ukraine. Think about that. You know, my two grandfathers fought in the British Army, the Eighth Army, the Highland Division, under General, later Field Marshal Montgomery, they fought and killed Nazis. Not so that a British government would later arm and fund and propagandize for Nazis in Ukraine. They didn't go on to fight in Monte Cassino, one of the worst battles of the entire Second World War, at least on the Western Front. And in one case, never recover from it. They didn't fight Nazis in 1944 in Italy and in North Africa so that our country could become a funder and armor. And propagandas are for Nazis in the Ukraine. Has everybody forgotten the Second World War? Does nobody care about the Second World War? Tell your old parents, tell your grandparents, go to their graves and tell them there, you don't care about the Second World War. You don't care about the massacre of Jews. You stand with Ukraine, with your twibbons, and your fundraising, and your proof of support for Ukraine must be shown before you can enter this restaurant. You go and tell them that. Tell your conscience that. Well, me, I'll never forget fascism in Europe in the 1930s and in the 1940s. I'll never forget it, and I'll never forget who defeated it. Us, first and foremost, when we stood alone, when America was watching the war on Israel, weighing up which side to join. And second and preeminently and overwhelmingly, the heroes of the Red Army of the USSR and the partisans in Ukraine and everywhere in occupied parts of the then Soviet Union, the siege of Leningrad, the battle of Stalingrad, the killer blow at Kursk, the battle for Berlin. I will never forget it. Don't ask me to. It might be something to do with my age and my class but I will never support fascists. And so whilst I hope for an early, speedy, negotiated end to this conflict in Ukraine, the power to achieve that lies with the clown Zelensky. All he has to say is that Ukraine will henceforth be a neutral country There'll be no NATO training bases, no NATO weapons, and never NATO membership. And we will never again bombard the people of Donetsk and Lugansk. We will never again threaten and cut off the water from the people of the Crimean Peninsula. We will never again allow ourselves to be a spear against Russia. As I say, I'm not with Putin, but I am with Russia. I always have been, and I always will be. It is a people, a civilization, highly cultured and developed and civilized civilization, unlike some others I could mention. It's the biggest country in the world with 11 time zones. It's the biggest country in Europe, although Google has now exiled it to Asia. Can you believe it? Moscow is the biggest city in Europe. It deserves respect. It deserves its concerns to be taken seriously. It deserves to be a part of the international community, which, I repeat, is not the Western periphery where only 3% of the world's children live, 3%. The international community is 100%. The vast majority of it wants nothing to do with NATO and its provocations and its aggression against the great people of Russia. Just think about all of that. I'll take your calls throughout the show where you can argue the toss with me. You're most welcome. And we'll be hearing from some terrific guests, some of whom you haven't seen before on the show, but once seen, you'll never forget them. Here's the first poll of the evening. Should the UK have paid Iran the £400 million they owed it six years ago to free Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe? A, yes, B, no. Here's the phone numbers. I'm sure you'll want to be in touch. They may be on the screen, but it's uh, in the UK, entirely free, remember, 08081965522. 08- 08081965522. That's 08- 08081965522. If you're in the US, it's also toll free, completely free. Plus one, eight, four, four, nine, four, four, And here's some social media. Nahid Aladi makes a very good point. Iranians should include Assange in this deal. Also, the amount of the money should be multiplied as it's frozen from the 1970s. And Patrick Kielty says, please make it clear, it's not a ransom. We owe it, verified by international courts. Yes, we pay who we owe. Simple. Let's hope we can have basic dialogue. It's a start. Steve Lee says, I'm glad she's home. Entirely possible. Uh, much. Uh, this is uh, a completely baseless and foul accusation uh, that is made by Steve Lee. I ask everyone to delete it. It, uh, it falsely claims uh, that Nazanin uh, was a spy. This is completely denied by her and her family. And I don't want this baseless accusation uh, left unchallenged. Maritime says, I would sit in an Iranian jail for six years for 400 million. But she's not getting the 400 million. It's going to Iran, to whom we owe it. James McCluskey says, a debt that needs repaying. But using innocent civilians as hostages is extreme. Well, I'm not sure that's entirely supportable. Uh, V.O.B. says we should have given it back to them in the 70s when we originally stole it, but it was made clear six years ago that they wanted the money in return for her release. So that was the least the government could have done. And 007 says, trick question, if Iran kidnapped a random UK citizen without cause and demanded 400 million, the UK should tell them to get stuffed. If Iran kidnaps a UK citizen, to remind the world that the UK previously stole 400 million pounds, then that's a different matter entirely. Tragic uh, that it came to this. Now, who's my next guest? It's Danny Haifong, the one and only, an absolute internet sensation in the United States, a specialist in China US relations, uh, and an expert talker To Danny, thanks very much for joining us for your first time, but I hope not the last on the mother of all talk shows. And let me ask you something kind of, uh, it's a slight diversion just for a minute, but it's something that's important to me and I'm sure to you. I have an Asian wife and three Asian children. I've been horrified by the pictures I've seen the spike of murderous violence against Asian people in America, Uh, not just politically related, but COVID related. Uh, People pushing people under trains and stabbing them and beating them in the streets. Has that abated somewhat, or is it still a real crisis?
5: Oh, no, it is still a real crisis. In New York City alone, we've had... A number of these attacks, even within the last month, to the point where in Chinatown you see long lines of Chinese women and women of Asian descent looking to pick up pepper spray. Uh, There is a feeling that the United States just is not safe for people of the diaspora anymore, of the uh, Southeast Asian diaspora, those of Chinese descent or otherwise And uh, this all stems, as you said, so uh, poignantly from the fact that uh, China has been scapegoated for COVID-19. And both political parties have stoked this uh, anti-China propaganda around COVID-19, blaming China for the virus, even making up claims about there being a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I mean, all of this has really... Sewed into the minds of Americans that Chinese people are their enemies and anyone that quote unquote looks Chinese, right? I mean, that is how deep basis has come. But of course, this has more than a century-long history, more than a century and a half long history in the United States where uh, China has been viewed as this quote-unquote yellow peril, and uh, that is all about attempting to meet the geopolitical and imperialist ambitions of the United States and using uh, essentially the Chinese as cannon fodder. And it's even more ridiculous in this age where we have a rising China, and more and more people, especially from that region, are thinking that uh, the United States is actually the one in decline, and this spike in anti-Asian racism appears to be a big part of that. Who's doing it?
4: We know, who's, we know who teed up, uh, but who's carrying out these attacks?
5: Unfortunately, it's ordinary people. It's ordinary people on the streets of cities like New York, right? It's people who are so frustrated, so uh, really keen on looking for someone to blame for their own predicament, right? Because a lot of this has to do also with the economic situation in the United States and how racial tensions are inflamed when you have just this prolonged economic crisis that it was supposedly co- COVID-related. But we found out that actually the United States was on the verge of an economic collapse prior to COVID 19 being recognized on US shores. And so the uh, p- increasing poverty levels, the increasing homelessness, the mental health crises, combine that with this daily and endless propaganda coming from the US mainstream media, fear mongering about China and everything from quote unquote human rights all the way into COVID 19. And you have this perfect storm, this disaster of ceaseless and needless violence against people of Asian descent it truly is a real stain and impediment to what we really need in the United States which is a class war
4: well the the United States uh, economy was on the verge of collapse before covid-19 and uh, long before the invasion of ukraine though all economic problems were first attributed to covid-19 and now are being attributed because COVID no longer exists, can no longer be funded uh, because all the funds are going into military hardware. Uh, And of course, it's now being blamed on on Vladimir Putin. It's him that's putting the gas prices up in the United States. Although, incidentally, uh, just a stone's throw from El Paso in Texas, just over the border in Uh, Mexico, you can still buy a gallon of petrol for $3, uh, half the price uh, in the United States. So something doesn't quite add up on that. But this searching around for scapegoats doesn't disguise the fundamental problem that the United States society and economy are in fundamental decline.
5: No, it does not. and We even saw that in the recent talks that Yang Jiechi, the top diplomat of China, and Jake Sullivan, the uh, National Security Advisor of the United States, had where Jake Sullivan comes into that meeting, similar to Anchorage, Alaska, March 2021. He comes into the meeting already brandishing threats toward China, right? Uh, All of this bluster about how China is supporting Russia through sanctions and something will be done about that. And making up rumors out of whole cloth that China is supplying Russia with military weaponry to essentially invade Ukraine, right? All of these baseless accusations, all to attempt to build up this atmosphere of war going into diplomatic talks, because the United States understands, I think, that it is not in a position to really scale down its military offensive around the world, its endless wars around the world. And it certainly doesn't have much of an interest given how Profits are booming for military contractors, U.S. military contractors like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, uh, due to this war, due to the fact that Ukraine has been pumped with uh, billions of NATO uh, weapons over the past seven years since the coup, and that this escalation has only served their interests. And so you have a lot of different sides talking out of different ends of their mouths, but at the end of the day, what it all amounts to is that the United States only really has one trajectory and direction that it can go in. It cannot arrest these forces in the military industrial complex. It cannot arrest these big banks. What they want is to scale up and maximize their profits at the expense of everyone else, and they will justify it by any means necessary. And that means blaming Vladimir Putin when essentially it's the fossil fuel corporations and the weapons contractors that are driving this crisis, or whether it's blaming China, which has been the only major power willing to actually broker a peace agreement from the outside, right, to be... A good faith third party actor in this conflict, Uh, China has been the only one of the major countries to do that. And so it's pretty clear who the real warmongers are, who the real warmonger is, and that's the United States and its allies. By
4: the way, more than 80 members of uh, the United States Congress are significant shareholders in those very arms corporations uh, that you have just cited. There's not many countries where that would pass without much comment, I must tell you. Uh, But it uh, appears to in the United States. Speaking of uh, Congress, I thought Joe Biden was bad. But I saw video this week of Nancy Pelosi. And I've got to ask you is that not the face and mind and voices of these two individuals? not almost Shakespearean, how emblematic it is of decline.
5: It's so very true. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's, uh, it was like a couple of minute diatribe commenting on the Russia-Ukraine situation, not really understanding, I think, what she's actually talking about. Uh, She claims she's not a military strategist, but is just throwing around no-fly zone, throwing around uh, anti-aircraft missile Uh, carriers, et cetera, and just not really having any insight into the watershed moment that is occurring in the region that the United States is really at the forefront of creating, right? Uh, Really provoking Russia to take care of business because of how the U.S. and NATO, through its meddling and outright uh, political Uh, manipulation and maneuvering in Ukraine has uh, created this crisis. And so, yeah, Nancy Pelosi, she's a hundred millionaire. She is a product of these weapons manufacturers, these Silicon Valley corporations and big tech companies and Wall Street. And she has only become richer and richer in Congress and therefore more and more detached from the actual reality of working people everywhere that she cannot but help stumble over her words after uh, uh, really putting and helping put the United States into what is a disastrous situation, right? Provoking Russia into this intervention, which now has shockwaves throughout the world's capitalist economy. It's not necessarily uh, the pretty picture, I think. That the militarists, the bankers, and the capitalists all had for uh, the end game with Russia and, uh, by extension, China. Right? Uh, this is a potential disaster, and even they—she doesn't really know what she's talking about. But the military strategists who she claims does, they know that something like a no-fly zone, something like a direct confrontation with Russia, would spell really doom for the overall global. Uh, political and economic system of capitalism that uh, she supposedly presides over. But it's unclear how effectively she does at this point, given uh, just her state of mind.
4: Exactly. I'm, I'm told she's better before lunch, if you get my meaning. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned earlier how the, the sun is risen in the east, that much even a blind man could see. Uh, but it didn't have to be uh, a zero-sum game, did it? it? We could have had two sons if the West had decided to, uh, to cooperate, to get alongside China and the rest of Asia, uh, to cooperate with them mutually, beneficially. We, we didn't have to have this zero-sum game, is my point.
5: Yes, and Russia and China both have, for the longest period, right? Ever since this new Cold War really jumped off with uh, Barack Obama's pivot to Asia in the latter half of his first term, both Russia and China were clamoring really for normalized relations and to ensure that cooperation on the economic, political, and even military fronts was maintained. And of course, What the United States has done since 2012, over this last decade, has continued to provoke, antagonize, and ultimately uh, uh, surround militarily and create a real conflict between uh, both of these countries. And so, while I do not think that Russia and China's strategic partnership is necessarily just a byproduct of US aggression, I do think that there are many good reasons, uh, shared geographic space, uh, lots of interchangeability and interdependency that can be built between Russia and China. Russia, a big energy powerhouse and China, a big manufacturing and tech powerhouse. There's a lot of commonalities and interests culturally, economically, that these two countries share. But at the end of the day, it is also true that the United States' aggression has actually facilitated, I think, an acceleration of of this multipolar world that Russia and China through their partnership are spearheading, this idea that unipolarity, the US's hegemony just being the dictator of global affairs is outdated and deserves to be revised so that more countries, more nations, more polls can arise around the world and have a say, really really democratize how world affairs are governed, and that's what Russia and China are trying to do. And uh, even up into this Russia-Ukraine conflict, they've been doing a very good job. They have upheld the UN Charter. They have formed incredible alliances economically, these economic integration plans like the Belt and Road Initiative and the Eurasian Economic Union. There is a move to lessen reliance on the dollar, the US dollar. There are just all of these incredible developments and infrastructure that are being made in this region. And it is having ripple effects in Latin America and Africa as China, especially, but even Russia are developing stronger and stronger ties with the global South and really connecting what used to be considered the underdeveloped wretched of the earth, as Fanon uh, called them, the colonized world, really spearheading this new phase of development, of growth. Of self-determination and independence that uh, threatens and I think already has isolated the United States in a lot of ways, which is why it cannot but damage itself and its European allies economically by antagonizing and continuing to try to prolong this Russia-Ukraine conflict, especially with these sanctions, well, which are so counterproductive.
4: Well, uh, we'll be turning to the European allies, as you put it, vassals one might otherwise say, uh, later in the show. How can people follow your work, Danny?
5: Sure. So you can find me at Black Agenda Report each week. You can also find me on Substack at chroniclesofhaifong.substack.com. And you can find my YouTube show at The Left Lens. You can subscribe there on YouTube. And you can support my work at patreon.com slash Danny And follow me on Twitter at Spirit of Ho, Spirit of H-O, like Ho Chi Minh.
4: Fantastic. God bless you. God bless your work. Thanks very much, Danny, for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. How's the poll going? Can I uh, see the, uh, should the UK have paid Iran the money six years ago? Yes, 68%. No, surprisingly high, 32%. But on YouTube, it's yes, 66, no, 34. And on Telegram, yes, 74, no, 26 the smartest people are always voting on telegram keep voting i think this is on for the whole of the show yeah let's go with the first call tony in yorkshire go ahead tony hi george um i'm gonna
6: i to ask you a question and put you on the spot and you're probably gonna have a go at me because i think i'm going mad because most people think i am so here's the question i'll make it quick right why is it that when Russian bombs from Russian planes are dropped on Ukraine, which is horrific, because nobody wants to see innocent people die, we in the West put up three, 350 pound per household for people, but in the instance of Yemen or Palestine, and especially in Yemen, when we use British fighter planes with British bombs with Saudi pilots that we spent £6.7 making the money out of them, raining bombs on Yemen, there's no money. And there's no money for those poor people over the last five years. I can't get my head around it. And when I ask this question to other people, everybody looks at me as if it's me that's deranged.
4: No, it's them that's uh, deranged. It's them that have been have been stupefied by by the mainstream media and uh, the political class, uh, because the paradox that you describe is an absolute paradox. Uh, Not only uh, are we not in the Ukraine war, on the face of it, uh, but we are in the Yemen war. We are direct participants. And to call it a war is, of course, a misnomer because it is the richest, most powerful country in the Arab uh, world, destroying the poorest and most defenceless people in the Arab world, their next-door neighbour. Talk about Russia and Ukraine. How about Saudi Arabia and Yemen? They are not only next door. George. They are actually the same people. Yeah, go on.
6: Two last points before I go right? And I agree with everything you said. Here's the hypocrisy of it. We're buying, we've banned oil from Russia, but we're now buying from Saudi Arabia, who's (laughs) probably buying the oil off Russia, and we've got a farcical situation where Boris Johnson has gone to Saudi Arabia to buy oil off people that beheaded 81 people on Saturday. 81 people. If anybody thinks I'm exaggerating it, they can check it on Google. Right? The facts are out there. And here's the second thing. My football team... What I love dearly is owned by a Saudi Arabian owner, Sheffield United. Yet they're Yeah, not just Chelsea. a Saudi Arabian,
4: it's, it's, Tony. It's embarrassing. Tony. I,
6: I'm Tony, aware of no, the Milan
4: family. I'm aware. No, he, he's from the family, just like Newcastle United's owner. Yeah. Tony, that is a brilliant call. I don't Thank know why you. you thought I was going to fall out with you. That's absolutely brilliant. Have we got any other callers? Uh, let me see. Amin. Amin is in Canada. I Amin, mean, welcome. I Amin, mean, are you there? Ground control to Major Tom uh, is gone. Let me get some more social media up then. This is rock and roll, this. Kleis van der Waal. I don't like war, but in this case, Russia had no other choice. Along with this border of nearly 5,000 kilometers with Ukraine, you don't want nuclear arms next to it. I'm not always agreeing with Putin, but in this case, yes, he's right. 14,000 people were killed in Donbass, but nothing on TV here in Holland. Uh, CJ says George is right. It's like all the people who uh, fought and the innocent who died in World War II got slapped in the face again. And Arif says the West have not reported about the Ukrainian journalists demanding the final solution. And the murder of Russian children. Kevin Roddy says Putin already stated his case clearly by saying that Ukraine must be denazified and demilitarized. Ukrainians already had NATO bases, calling them missions, and they already had biological WMD. Quite right. And DJ says, has Z cars been removed from the TV yet? You've lost me on that. Was Z cars written by a Russian? And Purple Grapes, says Danny Haifong. Gigi is bringing all the great people to his show. And Nora Dean says if the Saudis are going to dump the dollar and accept RMB for oil, the US empire will attack. Yeah, look out for uh, 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 heightened awareness in Western media of the atrocious human rights record of the government in Saudi Arabia, which just decided to help wreck the dollar hegemony. Trust me on that. And Jay says, being Asian myself, I'm perplexed by how easily suggestible the American psyche is when it comes to processing of information they get from the obviously biased politicians and media. Indeed so, Jay. And Michael Casey says, how can we respect Russia, a state who lies and jails its people for speaking their minds? <laughs> that's that's Michael who's never heard of Julian Assange. Uh, can I can I squeeze in Amin in Canada? Amin, are you there?
7: I am. Can you hear me well?
4: Yes, very clearly. Go ahead, sir.
7: How are you? First of all, uh, Salam Ali, Lord. Uh, salam wa rahmatullah barakatuh. Go ahead. Uh, habibna, Habibna, our beloved. You know, yeah. Thank you. You need to be well preserved. You know. We need your information, you, and you're educating a generation. If you are not aware of that, generations actually. Uh, God bless you. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you, brother. Th- this level of or heightened degree of uh, demonization of the other since uh, of Russia specifically since uh, well, World War II, I guess, post World War II. There's a cold war that's been going on, and Russia hasn't really left its area, per se, uh, nor intervened, by that definition, uh, anywhere. Unlike uh, the Western powers, you know, the EU and the American uh, entities. Quite So. Uh, yeah. But, but the state of affairs now—I've never, ever, ever seen this. And this heightened intensity is uh, a little too, too much to bear because, <laughs> and uh, the what do you call it? the double standards, the blatant hypocrisy that you know Putin has brought out, and exposed by first of all his natural right, Russia's natural right, just him. Sorry, and people demonize Russia. It's unwarranted. It's unfounded. I mean, like. Uh, Hate, we're using word hate, okay? Yeah. This is absurd, absurd, deep-rooted hate in the media that's being propagated and really instilled in people's nerves, nervous system, you know? And uh, the attack of, uh, you know, the average uh, Russians throughout the world, I mean, many reports throughout the world, especially in the West, it's absurd, this,
4: well this it's is, uh, uh, it's amazing sorry, i mean uh, to hear the prime minister of canada uh talking about how he yes. is going to be in the vanguard of uh, fighting back for liberty yes. and democracy when just a couple of weeks ago he actually yes. froze the bank accounts of people protesting on the streets of canada and and actually started to witch hunt those that sent them donations in the post. He he uh, took away their employment. He uh, deprived them of the means of living. He even took away their pets if they were away in uh, Quebec in Ottawa uh, for the demonstration. Uh, a man who uh, a man less likely to imagine as a champion of liberty. It's difficult to come up with. Trudeau is probably the biggest hypocrite of them all.
7: And they get away with it. Never being held to account. And where no one is allowed to hold anyone in the West to account. These uh, politicians, these individuals. They got impunity. They get immunity. What do you call it? Legal cover.
4: Immunity, impunity. Yeah, both of them. It's well, look, uh, I mean, I, I just followed uh, earlier this evening uh, something called the Liberty Alliance. It's just been set up uh, here in London, uh, but it intends to stretch across the ocean uh, to North America uh, and beyond, but North America and Britain for starters. We need to rally everyone that believes in freedom of speech, that knows that freedom of speech is foundational for democracy. Without freedom of speech, you cannot have democracy. And to recover such liberties as we have undoubtedly lost over the last two, two uh, two and a half uh, years. Check it out, I mean, on Twitter, Liberty week, Alliance. For a week.
7: The Thank amount you. of information that's been silent. Now,
4: uh, Nico House is a former uh, colleague of mine at uh, RT. He's closed down. I'm closed down. We're both out of work, although he is an extraordinary uh, vlogger. He has a huge audience in the United States, and I wanted to talk to him about what the buzz is on the streets of America about this absolute crisis, including the possible danger of nuclear war uh, in America. Nico House. Welcome to the mother of all talk shows. Very good to see you, bro. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Um, Let me ask you a question I asked Danny Hyphon. I saw Joe Biden so many times and I cringe, but I saw Nancy Pelosi this week and she makes Joe Biden look like Cicero, look like Aristotle. How did America come to be led by two such people?
0: Well, I mean, ultimately, I think we have to. Well, first of all, thank you for the wonderful introduction. You're too kind. I've been a big fan of the show for a while. and I appreciate you having me on. But I think that we have to come to grips in the United States and accept the fact that our democracy is not in the hands of the people, but instead in the hands of the oligarchy. Uh, I'm one of those people who preaches when everybody was saying, with well, Joe you know, Joe Biden won legitimately or Donald Trump got cheated or whatever. Yeah, We'll, we'll never know. Right. You have to when all you have we have some proprietary software that the average person, even government officials can't just get access to automatically to verify audits. You have a situation like in South Florida with Tim Canova, when he was up running against Debbie Washington Schultz, where she literally destroyed ballots. After being, sub- after being subpoenaed by a federal judge with really no uh, type of penalty to go to her or Brenda Snipes, really, uh, after she was one who was found guilty of it, like... How can we be certain that those people in such high-level positions are actually representative of what we're doing? And when you can't, when you when they're not representative of what we're doing, it's because we can't vote them out or vote them in with any type of certainty or confidence. Which means they can't be held accountable. And when you can't be held accountable, that's how you end up with situations like right now with the Ukraine Russia scandal, uh, where the U.S. seems to be ridiculous. Like seems to be involved not only obviously now, but from 2014 at least. And if you really want to go deep, we can talk about during World War II, how long the United States has been involved in caping for Nazis in the Ukraine. So when you can't be held accountable, you can do stuff like this comfortably and not worried about any retaliation from the public.
4: I think that's a brilliant observation and one worth everyone reflecting on. But here's another one. Uh, In a way, it doesn't matter uh, because they are both two cheeks of the same ass. Uh, The Democrats and the Republicans, you couldn't slip sixpence uh, between them, Uh, certainly on foreign policy and increasingly on domestic policy also. Uh, It it really is two sides of the same coin, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. Domestic policy. I mean, for for all intents and purposes, George, I'm not sure if you know, but we actually got more money and aid during the pandemic from the Trump administration than we have even had offered to us by the Democrats. And the little bit that was offered to us by the Democrats, they actually took back. In tax returns. So it's it's we really can't tell the difference. And it's actually getting to such a degree that the Democrats are in direct opposition to liberty in all fronts. And of course, Republicans pretend like they're all about liberty as well. But that's really like eh, I don't really believe you guys either because you still got your Marco Rubio. You still got your Ted Cruz's and they sound just as bad as the Joe Biden's or the Nancy Pelosi's. But I will say the only good thing that's coming out of all of this is that there are leftists and conservatives on both sides. A lot of them or refer to themselves as populists on either side that are coming together and coalescing on the important issues such as foreign policy, such as for me personally. I'm anti-mandate it affected the black community specifically in ways that didn't make any sense, nor did nor seem necessary. But those important humanistic issues we're coming together on and you're starting to see the narrative shift, which, in my opinion, has to be the primary focus before we can start worrying about the politics of it all.
4: I agree with that, Uh, Labour, Conservative, Democrat, Republican. What we need is a liberty alliance that will try to recover uh, the liberties that have been stolen from us, Uh, try to defend free speech against governments and big tech, Uh, because without these two things, we actually don't have a democracy. If you think about it, if you don't have free speech, you don't have democracy, literally. And we are now in an era where free speech is not just under attack, it is virtually being murdered in plain sight. Julian Assange yesterday lost his appeal against the extradition order to disappear in a dungeon for 175 years in the United States. You and I and one or two others are about the only big figures left standing uh, on the internet. People are being yeah. eliminated ruthlessly, one by one by one.
2: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
3: Yeah,
0: oh, man, it's I mean, we saw what happened with with RT America, you know, RT, he is still like producing shows and all that good stuff, but obviously nowhere near the impact that they would have um, with. And by the way, they never actually cite what RT actually is lied about. They they always claim it's Russian propaganda. But as you know, full and well, we have conservatives and leftists all over RT and RT America and the subsidiaries. There is there's parody on every single show even if you don't like what you hear. I mean, on RT, I might hear a liberal say something that I do not like. Just like I might hear a conservative say something I do not like. But that discourse is important for us to get down and, and really figure out what the problems are so we can offer va- uh, valid solutions. But when, you ha- when you're able to attack an entire network to the point where one subsidiary is forced to close entirely and you don't even have to provide any iota of proof of a single lie, then you're, 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 you're trudging in, into der- uh, dangerous territory. And you cannot have liberty without free speech. Beca- let's look at this, uh, this Russia-Ukraine issue. If you even bring up the fact that the Azov Battalion was rewarded, which is a Nazi regiment, a Nazi battalion. It was initially a, a militia. It was rewarded for helping the United States successfully overthrow the U- Ukrainian government by being rolled into the official Ukrainian government, if you bring that up and people will tell you, oh, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, that's Russian propaganda. It was well documented. It's been talked about for years. We've been funding Nazism for years. But But that story is harder to tell now because of all the subsidiaries that got taken down, people like you or me who are being either shadow banned from so- social media, whether it be Twitter, YouTube, whatever, and then people, uh, uh, organizations like RT being taken down, not for lying because they never point out a lie. They never, uh, as far as straight reporting is concerned, they never, and you will never be able to point a lie from RT. But what you will be able to find are a lot of honest journalists who got tired of being demanded to lie for mainstream media organizations that they may have used to work at. That's what you will find a lot of.
4: Of course, uh, it would be uh, something if uh, you were not allowed to be a liar on television. Uh, If that were the case, then everyone from Rachel Maddow to most of the Fox News uh, hosts and all the others, uh, CNN in in its totality, would be off the air because they, I mean, Trump was right about some things. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. Uh, but when trump said these people were fake news he was right about that he was right yeah
0: yeah he was right and and it's funny because so here in the states trump co-opted that term because we were saying that about uh the liberal media and really fox news at the time and the bernie camp at the time because they were always lying about bernie sanders for you know for obvious reasons at the time but no you were 100% right and it's it's uh it's funny to me because I'm old enough to remember, George, that if you went on YouTube and even said, even if you said the word Nazi, let alone tried to praise them or carry water for them, you would have been removed immediately. But now you have people going on Rachel Maddow, literally trying to carry water for Hitler, saying, you know, Hitler wasn't even as bad as Putin is, based on lies. And if Rachel hey, Maddow, man, if that was your you argument George, I think you would agree, we would be canceled our shows would be removed we would be banned exactly but rachel Maddow was collecting a paycheck
4: they said on Maddow and then tweeted it now deleted that hitler didn't use chemical weapons which it means that six million germans. yeah ethnic germans meaning a german jews were not germans which is what hitler said of course and b it means that six million people were not gassed with chemical weapons. Gas, chemical weapons. That's what Rachel Maddow said, or someone McFall said on her show, and then she mm-hmm. tweeted it without attribution, i.e., assuming ownership of her. She's not yes. been taken they, off the air. Somebody
0: she, sat down she, the production millions a like, year. Yep, that's the clip. Let's go ahead and put it on social media. They went back, looked at it, and said, "This is what we need to post." That's ridiculous. (laughs) Somebody to be held accountable, but they won't be right because they they get paid to lie. They get paid to smear. And that's and, and, and like you said, there are only a few of us standing because where they may not take you off explicitly, they'll just demonetize you. They'll shadow ban you. They'll make it almost impossible for you to grow a business independently because they saw that. I would say, you know, maybe the rise of Trump in some instances, the rise of the Bernie Sanders movement, Tulsi Gabbard coming onto the scene, uh, Hillary Clinton getting exposed, Biden being exposed. A lot of this stuff is because of independent journalists like you and I who are dedicated to nothing but the truth and wherever that truth may fall. Like I was I was I congratulated Trump and said he deserved the Nobel Peace Prize for what he did with North and South Korea. That had never been done, nor did we think it would happen in our lifetimes. And yet it was able he was able to put his pride to the side and get that done. Whereas in the reverse, you had Hillary Clinton about to start World War Three with North Korea. Right. That's something that they don't like is honesty, regardless of where, where that honesty and truth takes you. And, and, and as long as we keep allowing that as a population, not only over the over the pond where you're at, but here in the States. Uh, we're going to still see them try to normalize Nazis and pretend like it's not ha- happening. Pretend as if they care about, ref- they call, you know, white, Christian, blue-eyed, blonde-haired refugees in, from Ukraine. Those are political refugees. But if they're Mexican, if they're Honduran, if they're Somalian or African, well, those are illegals. As long as we keep allowing that binary thought process, that false that paradigm of thinking and the suppression of speech, we're going to keep finding ourselves back in this exact same position.
4: Brilliantly put. Uh, now, you mentioned Tulsi. Uh, I thought that she was outstanding for a time during the Russia Gate affair. Uh, then she dropped off my radar anyway. Uh, but now she's back, and she's being accused uh, by Mitt Romney uh, of being a traitor, literally guilty of treason. Tell the viewers about that, will you?
0: Uh, I find it funny. Uh, Because all she's done is say, we should be striving for peace. And she's giving context to the situation between Russia and Ukraine that's very necessary. But also, I remember a time where several Democrats and FBI agents, not named perhaps Andrew McCabe and and James Comey and some others, colluded to frame the president of the United States for treason, which, last I checked, in and of itself is treason. They like Even (laughs) with the impeachment situation, they lied about what President Trump at the time had done, claiming that he was the one who had threatened Zelensky to withhold aid and said he was bullying Zelensky when there's a video of Joe Biden at the CFR bragging about doing that very thing and then denying it when he gets on the debate stage or, or, or claiming, oh, they're just claiming that because I'm their opponent, I'm his opponent, right? We've seen literal treason for four years. And for Mitt Romney or anyone else to look at Tulsi and say, I'm advocating because she's saying I'm advocating for peace. Therefore, she is treasonous. That is absolutely absurd. I'm not surprised because that's how they try to paint all of us, right, George? I mean, if you try to tell the truth, then you must be a propagandist, right? So I'm not surprised. But for them to do this to a, a veteran who is currently still in the military, who had a top-secret clearance while she was in Congress, who was clear, I mean, I'm, you have to go through a, a it's, it's a hellacious process to get top-secret clearance, okay? I would know because I used to have one. And for her to go through all that and for them to have put in no service to this country to look at someone who has and is very prideful about that service and claim that a major Oh, actually, excuse me. A colonel in the military is a traitor. You need to resign. And I 100% agree with Tulsi Gavin on that front. Mitt Romney needs to apologize uh, and resign. And if, if he does not provide any proof of what he is claiming, then I think she should sue him uh, for slander.
4: Uh, me too. Uh, it's harder in the US to do that uh, than it is in some countries, of course. But I would have thought it was an open and shut case And one that the crowd would be happy to fund uh, because uh, this uh, question uh, of demonization, criminalization uh, of independent minds uh, and dissidents. This is what we are now. Uh, You know, you're you're not old enough to remember, but a dissident was a thing in the Soviet Union, in the Eastern Bloc. Uh, We all used to love dissidents here in the West. Now we've become the dissidents. We are yeah. the ones now, that are being suppressed.
0: Do you remember I, the Ice Cube situation, George, where Ice Cube came out and said that he wasn't going to support either party because neither of them actually seemed to actually support black people? You remember how he was being attacked maliciously, yeah. lied upon yeah. everything under the sun because he wouldn't support either party. So they said that he was a Trump supporter. Lil Wayne, another rapper, very popular guy, came out and explicitly supported Trump. Probably in, in Lil little for all intents and purposes, is more popular than Ice Cube is. But guess what? He chose a side. So the, the attacks on Lil Wayne were few and far between and lasted for like four hours because Ice Cube was independent minded. And of course, a black man being independent minded, saying that the black people should not trust either party until they show a concrete plan for how they're going to help us. He was attacked for days, days up until the election. And now, of course, he's been proven right. But that just goes to prove your point. It's the independent minded that they don't like. If you choose a side, well, they can always, the theater encourages you to choose a side. You can work with that. But those who are willing to call out both sides and also give credit where credit, credit is due, those, t- t- those tend to be seen as the most dangerous.
4: Lastly, Nico, and I'm grateful for your time. And speaking of dangerous rhetoric, just in the last 10 minutes, uh, Joe Biden has described uh, Vladimir Putin as a war criminal. That is one president calling another president a war criminal. And uh, the Russian response is that this is unforgivable rhetoric. And uh, one thing I know about Russians is when they say something, they mean it. When they say something is a red line, it is a red line. When they Uh, say uh, that something is unforgivable, it will not be forgiven. Uh, So this means we're now locked into, uh, not just for the course, the duration of these hostilities, which I pray will be mercifully short, uh, but we are now locked into, as long as Biden and Putin are alive and in office, a virtual state of war between Russia and the United States, even if it hasn't come a direct shooting yet
0: at the at this the very least a new
4: cold war very 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 dangerous moment isn't it
0: yeah at the very least a new cold war which actually tulsi who had been trying to warn about her entire campaign ironically enough right something i've been warning about but the audacity the the living unmitigated audacity for joe biden to call anybody a war criminal when we literally drone innocent civilians in afghanistan not even months ago and admitted to it we've been bombing somalia on and off for the last year and we don't even know the real reason why we've been doing so that's not just us that's all of nato all the major nato powers have been involved in this we've been funding literal nazis not just this year but at least since 2014 bare minimum okay We killed more innocent people in Afghanistan than the terror, like us in the the Afghan army that we were training, than the actual terrorists did. And we obviously killed more innocent people than we actually killed terrorists while we were there, right? There is, to compare Putin. I I don't know Putin personally. I don't know if he's a good or a bad guy. I can only compare policy to policy because these are the two countries that are going at it. Putin was invited to Syria to help reconcile the situation with the terrorists, the ISIS terrorists, that we put there. Every time we go back, ISIS shows up. Every time Putin shows up, and him and side work together, ISIS is gone. Speaking from a black perspective, Russia and Putin were not responsible for the deaths of multiple black liberators. Putin isn't running Guantanamo Bay right now, okay? Putin doesn't have, uh, what what is it, 700 bases in over 80 countries around the world? Putin isn't responsible for invading Vietnam. He isn't responsible for Balkanizing Korea. He isn't responsible for I mean, he really is. It's the, the, the list of offense of egregious offensive. He isn't responsible for siege warfare against Venezuela or Cuba or responsible for overthrowing a government in Bolivia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But the moment that he decides to defend his country, we call him a war criminal because that's, that's right out of the regime change playbook. We did the same thing right to Gaddafi right as we right after we right before we assassinated him. We tried to do the same thing to Assad. We did the same thing to Maduro. We always claim when a country has to defend itself against NATO powers, when they do defend themselves, that they are war criminals for doing so. Meanwhile, the ICC, the International Criminal Court, looks a lot like the criminal justice system in the U.S. The people who should be being prosecuted, like Biden, Hillary, even. Trump to some degree with the assassination of Soleimani and um, other things, they're not the ones being prosecuted. The ICC is just a bunch of black people and brown people who are getting thrown under the bus by the United States who are being tried instead uh, so that the real criminals never really get held accountable.
4: Nico, how's your star? Thanks for shining on us tonight on the mother of all talk shows. I appreciate it uh, very much indeed. Uh, Gubarwala says... The UK giving Venezuela's gold to Juan Guaido and the US confiscating Afghanistan and Russia's central bank reserves is going to put a dagger in the dollar. Goodbye to further investments in London and Washington. And Old On says the EU is not allowing Ukraine to join because they don't respect minorities. It's one of the checklist- Uh, to get in the EU. And Maxwell Kim says this incident creates a bad precedence, especially with the issue with Venezuelan gold being confiscated. This will drive the Venezuelan regime in the near future to hold British citizens hostage. And Robert Stan says Italian harbour workers have discovered hidden weapons in so-called Western humanitarian aid to Ukraine, I'd like to hear more uh, about that. But G.H. Uh, takes the biscuit tonight. If George likes Russia so much, why doesn't he live in the motherland? Well, G.H., let me tell you that for decades in my life, half wits like you used to shout, go back to Russia. That's when Russia was a communist country. And then it became a capitalist country, and it wasn't really a sensible thing to say to me. So uh, some people, especially in some parts of Scotland, would shout, go back to Ireland, the famine is over. But mate, I was born and will die here in Britain. I'm the leader of the Workers' Party of Britain. I love Britain. I love our language, our culture. I love our people. I want to defend our people. I want to extend the rights of our people. I want to improve the lives of our people. When your default position is that anybody who disagrees with you should get out of the country, you're seriously deficient in your logical uh, thinking. It is a very stupid thing to do okay richard is in canada let's hear from him go on richard good evening sir how are you by the grace of god i'm good a few technical gremlins this evening but that's got to be expected
9: in wartime go ahead yeah well i'd like to uh, speak about my opposition to uh what the war in ukraine is uh transpiring to be um I was in the Yugoslav war as a peacekeeper and, uh, the area I was in in Krajina had 200,000 Serbs, got reduced to 3,000. It's genocide. I believe that this war is Slavic against Slavic and I'm a very pro-Slavia person. Like I say, I'm a peacekeeper and, um, yeah, it's, it's deteriorating my health just Thinking about what my country is supplying, uh, thinking about the Azov Battalion, thinking about the persecution of uh, refugees trying to flee to places like India, Bangladesh, uh, countries in Africa, how they were denied access. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, I believe this is a new world order war. I don't trust any of the politicians, and I'm just praying for peace, and I'm hoping one day uh, all the Slavic nations will unite, and I'm I'm hoping that things like this and COVID uh, would uh, suffice to do that, but yeah, these are difficult times, so. um, They are, and uh, and uh, it's a a, very moving uh, 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 call. It's a
4: moving call, Richard, uh, and I thank you for it. It is, of course, approximately Slav against Slav, but it doesn't take five minutes of research to see uh, that the Slavs on the Ukrainian side are being used by non-Slavic powers uh, as a cat's paw, as a spear against uh, the Russians. Uh, This is not really uh, a war between Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine has been pushed into this war uh, by NATO, which I really mean to say the United States. Of course, there are satrapies uh, like Canada, uh, like the United Kingdom uh, and others. Uh, that are effectively auxiliaries of the American armed force. Although it was not always thus, uh, Britain refused to join the Vietnam War, for example. Canada refused to join the Iraq War. It was not always thus, but it clearly is now. There are centers of European resistance. Uh, I would say particularly in France. If I were running for president, of France, this would be my policy, withdrawal from the uh, military command of NATO, just like General de Gaulle did, a disengagement from the American hegemony, because we saw with the AUKUS deal, the submarine deal, just exactly what the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia really think of France. Uh, disengagement from U.S. hegemony. I'd point my rockets, my nuclear rockets, in both directions, east and west, and I'd get on board the Eurasian Express. That's actually the best policy for France to follow. And I believe, knowing what I do of the French public, that that could be a very powerful and popular a set of policies that one could run uh, for President of France. Richard, thanks uh, for that call in Canada. Uh, some social media, please, while I wait for my next call. Uh, GH, I've dealt with. Jerry Corrigan says it's a complete mystery why George still lives in the UK. <laughs> Apart from He hates everything about the Western world apart from his detestable football club, Manchester United, and Glasgow Celtic, in fact, and Chelsea, and Stoke City, and Accrington Stanley, and Dickens, and Wordsworth, and Burns, and Enid Blyton, and the English language, and Shakespeare and its culture, and its music, and the Beatles, and the Rolling Stones, and the Rolling Hills, and the mountains, and the rivers, and the brooks, and the bonny heather outside my window, and the daffodils, newly sprung in spring. What's wrong with you, man? I want to make Britain better. Why don't you consult the Workers' Party of Britain 10-point program. You will see there that we have no imaginary country that we can live in. We don't want to be in Russia or in China or even in Cuba. We don't want to be in Australasia or in Chile or even in the Bahamas. We're stuck here in Britain, clowns to the left of us, jokers to the right, stuck in the middle with you, you half-wit. Let me take a break.
3: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. From the
4: heart of Europe, one of Europe's most sensible and coruscating correspondents, analysts, and commentators. I met him for our uh, Sputnik show just the other day, and he was so good, I had to have him on again. And I'm glad to say he accepted my invitation. Elijah, welcome uh, to the mother of all talk shows, Extra. I want to ask you uh, something, as, as one European to another. Uh, they keep saying that, well, this is different These are not Africans, Arabs, Asians that are being bombed. These are civilized uh, tribes from Europe uh, that are being being bombed. And therefore, all norms of refugee hatred uh, and uh, repel all borders have to be dropped. In fact, in Britain, you're being given a very substantial amount of money if you gross it up over the year. Uh, to take in a Ukrainian, not something that was ever done for Syrian refugees or Afghan refugees or even for uh, homeless British servicemen living on the streets. But I wonder if these people are so young or so foolish that they don't remember Yugoslavia.
10: Hello, George. And I'm really honored to be on your show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Um, you. I think the world has a very short memory, and the difference is what kind of war we are facing today. Apart from the uh, discrimination that is disgraceful, but the war that we have seen throughout the last two decades it's a war that the West has triggered. We have done this war. We went to Afghanistan. We went to Iraq. We went to Syria. And we have created this havoc to the point that people are so much uninformed that when they talk to me, they say, Well, is it the problem that people in the Middle East don't want the democracy? Is it the problem that In Yugoslavia, Europe is incapable of sorting out its own problem. So the misinformation and the disinformation that is horrendous, particularly in the war in Ukraine today, is turning people to swallow everything, including journalists who are saying, well, we're dealing with white people with blue eyes. They forget that they have exactly the same... A blood color, and they are facing even worse—I mean, we face even worse uh, crisis around the world, and we're still facing it in Yemen. We're still facing it in Syria. The bombing in Yemen has been going on for the last seven years, and there are 20 million people who are starving, 12 million children. Look at the United Nations figures. They are really scary. And people talk about Ukraine because it is not our war. It is the war between the U.S. and Russia. It is the war that U.S. is pushing everybody in Europe behind it or pushing it ahead of it and saying, well, we need to fight the evil Russian. And we, you don't need to mention that the problem is our control, our hegemony, and that we have been trying to create this problem in Ukraine since 1997. And then we increased it in 2004 with the uh, Orange Revolution in and 2014. And then we have this war today. People don't know that the Ukrainian army was 120,000 only in 2014. And between 2014 to 2021, Ukraine, the Ukrainian uh, economy was on the floor, yet the army increased to 350,000 men. The economy, the uh, budget to the army was 1%. Today, it's 7%. Hundreds of millions of dollars are sent to Ukraine today not in form of humanitarian aid, but in form of weapons to go and kill themselves and to go and fight Russia with one objective, is to make sure that this war is going to last as long as possible. That was
4: quite brilliantly expressed and educated me. uh, And (laughs) I thought I knew it all. I didn't know these uh, Ukrainian army figures or the budget increase from 1% to 7%. That's quite stunning, actually, at a time when, actually, uh, Ukraine's main export is its own people. Uh, The uh, economy depends on the remittances of millions of Ukrainians who've had to leave their country because of the dire economic situation. Ukraine in the Soviet times was uh, a very uh, successful economy. All kinds of industries were developed. Uh, in that period. Now, all lost, closed. The only industrial capacity Ukraine has now is in the east of the uh, country, in the ethnically Russian areas. Now, I think gone forever from Ukraine. Uh, so, millions of Ukrainians are living abroad uh, because there's no work uh, for them. Well, all this money is being spent on an army, uh, and all this tax uh, is being raised for an army, Uh, And it's quite clear what its purpose is. This is a proxy war between the United States and Russia. The United States doesn't have the guts to fight Russia itself. Otherwise, it would already be in there. Uh, But it wants to fight to the last drop of Ukrainian blood. But here's the point, Elijah. In this proxy war, the Europeans are going to be the big losers, why has the European political class and the public gone so quiescently
10: into this good night? Well, that's a very good question, George. First of all, we think we are independent, we have independency, and we think we have a democracy. Domestically, yes, we do have that. Internationally, we don't, because the um, Montro agreement in 1823 gives the right for the Americans to impose on Europe a policy that is not, that, that is not incompatible with the interests of the United States. And if we look at what's happening in the last only few weeks, the number of U.S. soldiers has increased from 70,000 to 100,000 we have dozens of US military base in Europe. What for? Why do we need in Europe nuclear weapons? Well, the answer is very obvious. We need to be in Europe, the avant-garde of the Americans so the Americans can bomb Russia in case of nuclear war. So the bombs fall rapidly on Russia if they are sent from the European continent and not from the United States. So that doesn't allow Russia to respond in case of nuclear war. So the, the, the whole objective is focused from the American side on how we are going to behave in case of nuclear war with Russia and not how we're going to build the economy in the world and allow everybody to live. Uh, comfortably or not under poverty level, therefore, what we see in Europe we see an increase of number of US troops, we see an increase of number of nuclear bombs, and we see the hostility that is the American pushing the Europeans ahead of them and asking the Europeans to invest their budget not domestically but to support the armament of Ukraine. And everybody is saying it is only question of time that Russia end this war in Ukraine and impose its conditions. So basically what we are doing today is saying exactly what you just said. We want more Ukrainian killed just to be able to continue our media campaign around the world to say how bad are the Russians. It is exactly the same scenario, and I would like to quote it here. Uh, The president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, who was asked to hold on for six months and to fight the Taliban because it was trained by the Americans for this purpose, which means the Americans wanted the president of Afghanistan to kill more Afghani for six months, and after that, decapitulate. This is exactly what they are asking from President Zelensky today, to receive more weapon that the Americans have been training uh, Ukrainian to use since 2014, 2015, for this exact day, so they can hold a few extra months before they surrender. So if we know the result, why are we having more refugees? Why are we sending hundreds of millions of dollars worth of weapons? Why are we asking the Ukrainians to kill themselves? And why are we missing up on the, the entire economy of the planet? We pay additional prices on food, on transport, on everything, and we also see population like Ukrainian suffering the cause of war again in Europe. Again, a brilliant uh
4: exposition. I I had some hopes that Germany might resist, um, not least because of its history, but also because of its geography, uh, because of its economic uh, dependence on uh, Russian energy, and because of uh, the market which uh, Russia um, represents for German industry Uh, particularly at the luxury end, German cars and so on. And maybe if Mrs. Merkel had still been in, uh, that would have happened. But the Social Democrats and the Greens, true to form, uh, true to 1914, uh, have quickly uh, capitulated uh, to the empire. And therefore, I have some hope only in France, What can you tell me about the state of French public opinion in a presidential election year?
10: Well, I'm going to go very quickly to Germany, and then I will move to France. Germany, the world needs to know, your audience needs to know, that the suspension of the gas line from Russia to Europe through Germany that is called Nord Stream 2 that had never been inaugurated but was ready to pump gas, it was suspended by an announcement of President Joe Biden from Washington. This is not a European will to do what they think is the best for their own European population. And what France did in 1966, uh, General uh, de Gaulle, He asked all the Americans to leave and closed all the U.S. NATO bases in France. Now, uh, the president, Emmanuel Macron, tried to do that in 2018, when he said France needs a European army to defend itself, including from the United States, because he saw what President Donald Trump, how President Donald Trump Uh, try to bully Europe and to uh, blackmail the European states. And in 2022, just a couple of weeks ago, President Macron said exactly the same thing. Now, the Americans responded by increasing the number of U.S. troops in Europe and saying, you have NATO, why do you need a European army? Why do you need to defend yourself uh, against the United States? And what the Americans did, they rallied everybody in the world behind them, with them against Russia. So nobody dares to say what the problem is because you Americans in 1990, you promised the Russians that you will not expand NATO by a document that you, the U.S. National uh, Security uh, um, Archive released, James Baker told President Gorbachev that he's not going to, the U.S. will not expand NATO beyond the Soviet Union. Warren Christopher, United States uh, Secretary of State. Again, in 1993, promised Boris Yeltsin exactly the same. 1997, this is when the new demand of NATO were accepted and the Americans knew that this is going to create one day a problem particularly in Ukraine, so they form a new army. They, they, in, they train this army. They equip this army with Western weapons so they can fight Russia. That is behind the conflict. We are doing a war that we have nothing to do with. Elijah Magni,
4: it's always a pleasure, an honor to talk with you. Thanks for coming on the mother of all talk shows, Extra. Uh, let me uh, get some more social media. Cancelling Dostoevsky is surreally ironic, given he was jailed by the Tsar for, <laughs> for writing banned books. And James Graham says, Clyde Bank was blitzed by the Luftwaffe in World War II. Now I'm surrounded by NATO Nazi lovers. Uh, James, that is very powerful indeed. And of course, the blitz on Clydebank will never be, should never be. Forgotten, but it appears that it has been by the Scottish political class. And Green Grugach says, blessings from Derry, Mr. Galloway. My uncle, John Hume, God rest his soul, Nobel Peace Prize winner when it meant something, thought very highly of you. Would like to speak to you, cannot get through, need to hear this. Let's try and get back to Green, Uh, any uh, nephew of the late and great John Hume is worth hearing from. And John Roberts says, am I correct in saying that British law was changed in response to Dr. David Kelly's death? That is what is changed. So that any independent autopsy must reach the same conclusion as the official one. Well, not quite. I'll explain it all at Oxford Town Hall uh, next month, John. Uh, But if you can't be there, download my film, Killing Kelly. Uh, let me go to Spain. I've got so much social media, but let me take some more calls. Uh, let me go to John in Spain. Go ahead, John. Hello, George. good evening to you. Uh, and, you and you. Thanks for calling.
11: Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, there's one point. Uh, a couple of things. I don't have time to raise the ball, obviously. You've got other guests. One in particular, first of all, the awful atrocity that took place in Donetsk a couple of days ago, that's, yeah. to my knowledge, been totally missed by virtually all mainstream media. I don't think it's actually had any report whatsoever.
7: There is uh, video uh, uh, that uh, I You're right.
11: Of- you're right, John.
4: It hasn't appeared anywhere with any kind of salience, yet it was a massacre Nothing. of 20 civilians in Donetsk by the Western armed, financed, and shilled uh, yeah. uh, for Ukrainian armed forces. Therefore, it never happened.
11: It, it, it is shocking. It, regrettably, it's a segue to what I my, my, my main point. So I actually saw a video of that attack today. It, it is available from a private reporter that's on the ground. It's shocking anyone who does go to look at it. it you know, it, Obviously, we have to be armed for the facts, but it was very upsetting. But it is I, a segue. I couldn't to watch it. I, I had to switch well, off. I, I, I literally had to... I, I I totally empathize. Um, but it actually segues into what I was going to say in a, in a, in a larger context, context, really, George. And that is, I'm sure many of the listeners will be familiar that the last two years, we've had this narrative of COVID obviously repeated again and again and again to the mainstream media. We've been propagandized. We know we've had the 77th Brigade in the United Kingdom obviously working very actively in, in social media, in, in shaping People's thoughts. This is not a conspiracy; it's a fact. It's openly admitted. And in fact, most recently, um, a very renowned psychologist in Belgium published a peer-reviewed paper. His name is Dr. Matthias Desmond, where um, he he, he asserts that what's happened in the last two years through mainstream media is a mass formation psychosis. And this has been supported by a, a, you. Probably are familiar with this, I'm sure as are perhaps many of your readers, uh, sorry, listeners, I should say. But it, it, with what is occurring right now, when I see people responding to the mainstream media with certainly with the Ukraine affair, it's almost as if there's been this seamless transition whereby perhaps in my thinking is they've had all of their frustrations over the COVID period have all been now pented and have been thrust upon Russia and thrust upon this scenario that let's go get the bad guy. Where they will abandon all rationality because they're being stoked, obviously, by a furious uh, uh, Western media. You know the the NATO side of things that all, which I find abhorrent. I think many people do. And it's like this is this is now. Look over here now. This is this is this is where you can focus and channel your anger Um, because I literally see people that I think, hang on a minute. Surely you can see there's two sides to what is going on here. They are not prepared, most people, to even consider. Russia's side of what is going on here, which of course makes any possibility of having any reasoned debate impossible. And it, it's a I, I, I think that's
4: uh, a, a brilliant call, and I would like to see that uh, research. Uh, if you uh, could kindly get it to me, John, or get me the link, I mean. Um, and but I, I think you're bang on the money. I do think this is psychosis, and I think it is intimately connected to the two years or more uh, of the COVID crisis that we have been through. And that's why I say it's close to mental illness. It has been seamless. Uh, we have taken off our masks and put on our gas masks, put on our tin helmets. Uh, the enemy has gone from being uh, an unseen uh, virus to uh, to Russia. Uh, people have lost uh, grip lost touch uh, with reality, it's quite evident in the crowd behavior uh, that we have seen. Um, Even in the uh, town that we live in, as far from uh, Ukraine and from big political events as it's possible to imagine, uh, um, Ukrainian flags have sprouted in shops and cafes and so on, in a way that simply never happened. Uh, during the Yugoslav war, the Iraq war, uh, the Afghan war, the Syrian war, the Libyan war, uh, the Yemen war. Uh, Inconceivable that it would have happened over those, but it has happened over this, the crowd uh, mentality that is on display, Pavlovian uh, mentality. But, and here's the good news. I have the distinct, though still anecdotal uh, impression Uh, That opinion has begun to change. First of all, we are cutting through, no doubt, uh, about the Nazi character of a substantial part of the Ukrainian armed forces. We are reminding people of something they had perhaps intentionally forgotten, which was the role of the Ukrainian nationalists during the Holocaust and the Second World War. We are Turning the corner on the nature of American leadership, the the madness of not King George, but King Joe, uh, the madness of Nancy Pelosi, the madness of being led by the nose by such people. And above all, because it's the economy stupid, as Bill Clinton once said, people are looking up at the signs with the petrol prices on them and shuddering. I am myself shuddering, and I'm not a poor man. If I were, I wouldn't be able to drive a car. And the inexorable rise and rise of food prices and other prices is going to change a lot of people's uh, minds. Uh, Let's go to Ray in Wales. Go ahead, Ray.
2: George, uh, nice to speak to you. Um I love you, the show. Sean, go ahead. Um, fantastic. I just wanted to let you know that how uh, astonishing that I find it that uh, Ukrainian refugees seem to now be worth more than those from Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine, and that when um, armed resistance in a place like Palestine occurs and happens, they're referred to
4: as terrorists. And mm-hmm. yet now we are now fighting. And you'd go to go prison, a, a Ray. Ray, you would go yep. to prison in Wales, in England, and in Scotland, if you raise the banner of support for the armed resistance to foreign occupation of their land, whilst we're sending mercenaries to go and fight in the Ukraine. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the, the fact that we are
2: now sending uh, weapons, uh, and I too have heard a story of... Um, um, relief convoys actually uh, carrying uh, covert arms. I mean, this this is a story which is emerging. Uh, the fact that we are now. Uh, uh, um, supplying arms to right-wing, fascist, neo-Nazi militia in the Ukraine is something that, frankly, I am appalled with. And I'm I'm ashamed that, as you eloquently have said from the start of this, that Johnson and Starmer are two chicks of the same backside. It's appalling. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Thank you, uh, Ray. Most kind. Most kind and and, uh, eloquent. Now, don't forget my uh, Oxford gig, will you? Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a big hall to fill, but it's rapidly uh, filling. It's the Oxford mm-hmm. Town Hall. Some of my uh, best speeches, if I may say so, have been given in the Oxford Town Hall, two of them at least. Uh, and uh, I'm back again, and I'm talking about this death of the British arms expert, arms inspector, Dr. David Kelly. Uh, Now, you may think that that has been overtaken by events, but I promise you it has not, because this film illuminates the darkest corners of the British state in a way which makes it easier to see what's going on now between the British state, the United States, and uh, the the uh the situation in ukraine now uh i've had many of my good friends on the show tonight i've not yet met alex rubinstein but i'm a big admirer of his work i follow him uh, on social media i read what he writes and he really is uh something alex rubinstein joins us now on the issue of censorship alex thanks for doing that. I think it is important that people realize the lengths and the extent, the depths that this uh, censorship has now reached. It's not just that quite well-known people are being, uh, like Asa Winstanley, for example, on this side of the pond, uh, who are literally being excised from Twitter, even though they could not be more respectable dissidents than Asa Winstanley, with a huge following and great interest in what he has to say, but it's even now reached TikTok. Tell us.
12: Yeah, well, I want to say that it's an anathema to what democracy is supposed to stand for, for a uh, for the state funded outlets of a party to a conflict to be universally banned from broadcast in uh, the countries that it's in conflict with. Right, so I mean. We're in a situation right now where the West is at war with Russia using Ukraine and using foreign fighters as proxies uh, and banning all messaging from the Russian side from reaching uh, their domestic audience, for for from reaching those foreign audiences. And I just want to say that that straight out, it's an anathema to uh, what democracy is supposed to be. At the same time that Russia, uh, that RT has been banned from Telegram, uh, banned from YouTube, you can easily find neo nazi groups like the azov battalion uh still operating on telegram uh c14 a neo nazi gang in ukraine their leader yevhen Kadas. he's still on telegram this is a guy who has not only met with president zelensky but leads an organization which has carried out pogroms against romani camps in ukraine um and you can i mean all kinds of neo nazi groups you can find them on youtube on on telegram um, today, as they continue to fight against Russia and broadcast themselves on the front lines, at the same time, Russia's state media outlet has been banned from these platforms. Um, so it just shows you how desperate uh, the West and its uh, aligned social media companies are to control the narrative. At the same time that these groups are banned, you can go to Twitter. And for the past two weeks, Twitter has had in its trending section, A post from uh, an outlet called First Draft News. Um, This post is supposedly supposed to teach people how to identify misinformation coming from the war in Ukraine. Um, First Draft News is funded by uh, not only Pierre Omidyar and George Soros, but the Ford Foundation. So it's funded by the same people who have been uh, attempting to destabilize Eastern Europe with their money. Since the collapse of the Soviet Union. So, not only are, it, are social media companies censoring alternative viewpoints, but they're artificially amplifying NATO aligned viewpoints.
4: It is uh, indeed extraordinary. Uh, it's uh, been happening uh, for quite some time. Even the president of the United States was uh, <laughs> yeah. kicked off uh, Twitter. Um, he, ha- he was the wrong kind of American imperialist, uh, Donald Trump was. Uh, but I thought, you know, that TikTok was owned by China, that Telegram was owned by a Russian, not by Russia, but by a Russian, and yet censorship has reached both those platforms, hasn't
1: it?
12: Yeah, and and uh, as you as you alluded to earlier, the White House uh, brought in uh, a few hundred TikTok influencers, you know, these uh, Zoomers for Empire, as I like to call them. Um, to uh, <laughs> to pass on their messaging on the Ukraine war and uh, basically, you know, I, I saw at least one of these videos, and it's you know some pretty young girl who is uh, trying to educate her uh, uneducated uneducated audience about um, about how Putin is really the one who's responsible for for gas costing seven dollars down the street.
4: <laughs> That's extraordinary. I must say, I don't know how they'll take to it on TikTok. I I myself am on TikTok and I, but I you know I don't do karaoke or dancing or anything on it but I That's thought most of the I thought most of the audience was on TikTok for something other uh, than uh, big geopolitical events was I wrong
12: Well I mean I'm a little bit older than the zoomers and I I have to say I'm not on TikTok but it seems to me that most of it is uh you know flashy dance videos and uh video game uh Videos, that kind of thing, not exactly the the um, audience that you would expect for the White House to want to be persuading on uh, on uh, the geopolitics of Eastern Europe. Um, it, it, I think it shows the desperation uh, to control the narrative. Uh, on top of all the censorship, it, it shows the desperation, um, and and it speaks to the fact that, frankly, for all. The propaganda that we've heard since 2016, when Donald Trump was elected, about how Russia's, uh, you know, troll farm in St. Petersburg uh, has complete dominance over the narrative in the United States. Uh, Ukraine is winning this information war. Uh, Russia may be winning on the ground um, and, and at least uh, at least accomplishing the specific goals that it has set out to to do. But uh, as far as information goes. Uh, this, this is a victory for Ukraine. And even President Putin today uh, spoke to this issue and, and reminded Western audiences that they were being lied to about Russia being responsible for the rising oil prices and the other pains uh, inflicted by the financial elite.
4: Yes, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Vladimir Putin was supposed to control everything. Uh, the Russian uh, media was uh, supposedly uh, an existential threat uh, to the Western uh, audiences and the Western way of life, whatever that is. Uh, and, uh, and it's all gone in a, in, 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 a, in a whimper, really. No real fight has been put up by the public in your country or mine uh, in defence of free speech, which tends to make you think uh, that this was all just lipstick on a pig in the first place, uh, that uh, our uh, professed belief in free speech, in free assembly, in democracy itself, because, of course, without free speech, you cannot possibly have a democracy. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, an oxymoron. Uh, what does that tell you about the state of our people?
12: Well, you know, I'd like to speak to that question with two two examples. Um, one is myself. When I was with uh, RT back in 2017, early 2017, when Donald Trump was being inaugurated, I was arrested while I was reporting on protests against his inauguration. Uh, for doing my job, I was arrested, and it was a grueling experience. I spent 25 hours in jail. I was uh, hit multiple times by the police for doing my job with a press badge, with a Company jacket on. Um now I want to give the example that's more recent of this woman, this news editor in russia, who uh, who who invaded the uh, the space of an anchor on television and held a sign calling for no war, right? So Western media told us that she she was so brave because she did this with the full knowledge that she would be spending the rest of her life in Putin's dungeon dungeon being tortured on on a on a daily basis, uh, she was fined about three hundred dollars USD, or I think it was two hundred euros. So I mean, it just speaks to I spent twenty five hours in jail, you know for doing my job and not protesting. So it just speaks to the hypocrisy uh, that's that's on full display right now. Unfortunately, it's all hidden, right? Um, we We get blasted with the with information about this woman protesting, blasted with, Information that's false about the ghost of Kiev, about all these different fake news scenarios in Ukraine, and the retraction that comes later is viewed by one tenth of the audience. So uh, it's it's a real information war being waged on the minds of Western citizens.
4: Well, at least we now know uh, how far we've fallen, and therefore how far we've still to go, even to get back to where we were. Alex Rubenstein, thanks very much indeed for joining us. I much appreciated it. Fabrice is in the south of France, where we'd all like to be right now. Fabrice, go on.
13: Yeah, hi. Good evening, George. Great show. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me on. I'm calling for the second time now. Always a pleasure. Um, Just three points I'd like to make. Uh, I'll be brief on each point. First point is... um, I loved RT. I still managed to get them, but you know all of this censorship thing. It's it's harder to get them. But I love I love them. And
4: Fabrice, uh, this- I've watched more RT since it was banned than I did when it was Isn't available it, on Sky. Just- since I got my VPN. Uh, uh, I'm I'm Absolutely.
13: Uh, tell, tell us um, more about um, how to get that VPN because it's going to come to that where I'm going to have to
7: get uh, a VPN. I, yeah, but, 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 but later.
4: I will yeah. do. I will do on okay. Sunday. I'm just checking out if it's legal for me to encourage
13: people well, uh, to uh, uh, to get a I, VPN. I, I, I'm waiting anyway, for when they took, a legal when they,
4: judgment on that.
13: Yeah, it's important to keep them because it's not it's not it's not even a Russian perspective. If you work if George Galloway does a show on RT, it's not Russia a Russian point no, of view. It's, no, it's George no. Galloway's point of view. That's <laughs> Exactly. Where that uh, it's, and it's, and it's that's the same wondering.
4: point of view Fabrice that I had before RT existed in fact, before people running RT were even
13: born. It's it's the truth, and that is something that uh, exactly. Putin said today. The truth is so strong, and that's that's what uh, where RT exactly. is strong. That's what a lot of people don't know.
7: Amen.
13: Anyway, Amen. when they took that away Go from on. us, the censorship issue, when they took that away from us, and I said, how dare you, these, you know, we saw Borel and Evanderlein, banning RT across Europe. Not that they have the right to do that, but they did that. And that's really where the face of dictatorship showed through. I haven't forgotten Julian Assange, haven't forgotten people being censored left, right, and center. But something directly affecting me, RT, taking that away from RT, amongst other sources, was a real dictatorship feeling, and it was horrible. Second point, point number two, when I saw Biden speaking in, in front of his, his Senate, or whatever it is, you know, his public in, in the House, whatever they, you know, the Senate, with Pelosi behind him and Kamala, Kamala Harris behind him, and when he said, "We're going to punish, that, yeah. we're going <laughs> to punish Putin, make his him and his country pay," and everybody stood up, the two women behind him stood up and clapped, and everybody stood up in the in the all in the. In the let's call it the Parliament, the Senate, stood up and roared. It reminded me of the Third Reich. I really have to yeah. say that. Yeah, Complete, yeah. you know, it was the only thing they were clapping instead of holding their arms out straight. Yeah, yeah. Point number three, that's, that's fascism. That was That's when I saw fascism as well. Um, point number three is very brief there is one difference between, a very important difference difference between Putin and Zelensky. Putin has control over his country. Zelensky doesn't.
4: Well, uh, that's undoubtedly uh, true. Uh, Fabrice, that was a great call. And don't be shy to make it third time uh, lucky. You'll always get through uh, to me, not least because I wish I was in the south of France where you are. Uh, The truth is uh, that uh, Putin's ratings are up There are plenty of people in Russia opposed to what he has done uh, in Ukraine, but the support for uh, Russia taking action uh, in Ukraine to secure its national defense uh, is overwhelming. It's more than 75%. It's all of Putin's supporters, and it's all of the Communist Party, and that together is 75%. and there will be others, uh, indeed, on top of that. The truth is, it's overwhelmingly seen by Russian people as the right thing to have done. The case of the communists, they criticized Putin for not doing this in 2015. Uh, They demanded that Putin uh, recognize the independence of uh, Donetsk and Lugansk in the Donbass, these. Uh, Then self proclaimed independent republics, and they demanded Russian military support for these Russian ethnic, Russian and Russian speaking people uh, in eastern Ukraine back in 2015. So if Putin is being criticized, it's being criticized for having waited far too long, in which 14,000 people in East Ukraine were. Truly murdered. Let's go to Simon in Lincoln. Go ahead, Simon. Hello, George. Good to see you Welcome, online. Welcome,
1: sir. Yeah, thank you, mate. Go, go ahead. Well, what it was, George, I don't want to get into uh, too much of an argument, one which we can debate, but my position is that NATO is a positive force for the world. <laughs> OK, tell us how. Tell you how. Well, one thing that we need to get clear is NATO... Is a defensive coalition. It is not an aggressive coalition.
4: Why then was it bombing Belgrade and bombing Libya?
1: Well, in terms of Belgrade, we know the situation there—that the Yugoslavia collapsed. It was the ongoing part of that. We don't, I think. But the other thing, George, is I'd like no, to no, say. No, no, don't change we, the
4: subject, Simon. I no, asked you if NATO is a defensive organization, what was it defending in Libya?
1: Human rights. The same in Serbia. It's, it had to Human be rights. Up. In terms of Libya, they're so, so it's, it not, it's separate
4: separate it. not a defense. So you've just acknowledged it's not a defensive organization. It's an organization that will go to war for human
1: rights. Oh, yes. If it has to, of course, it's happened okay. to the chief. All right. All right.
4: All right. One of NATO's members is Turkey. Have you any yes. idea of the human rights crimes committed by Turkey over the last 40 or 50 years that it's been in NATO?
1: George, every country has a history. We know that. We could go back to the British Colonials or we could no, go back but to Stalin. You said... You said we keep dragging you, no, up but the past, we're not going to move why,
4: forward. Why, 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 why bring up Stalin and British Colonials? We're talking about NATO. Turkey what, is a member... currently, yes, I, I, I agree Tur- Tur- NATO Turkey but, uh, Turkey, well, has... Turkey, hold on, mate. Turkey yes. is a member of NATO. It invaded and occupied northern Cyprus in 1974 and it still occupies and partitions Cyprus now. What about the human rights of the people in Cyprus?
1: Yes, but George, being NATO, they are called internal issues, the same as Britain is in Northern Ireland, well, the same Well, as if, that,
4: if that's an, NATO if that's an internal... It, but, but how is it an internal issue when one of your members invades another country and partitions it?
1: Well, we know that Cyprus has always had that problem of the two sides, you know. Oh, so you you're really floundering, Simon. You, you, you really should have practised.
4: No, no, you should have practised before you took me on, go back a on this. And years and no, and never years. mind going back a thousand years. Let's stay in 1974, where NATO, a defensive organisation, you say, invaded Cyprus and partitioned it seized it by military power, and holds it today, illegally. So, how is that an internal issue? It was an invasion by Turkey of
1: Cyprus. Well, yes, I would say that, um, you know, Turkey, as part of his neighbor membership, NATO membership, it does have a lot of human rights issues to sort out. But in terms of that, George, well, well, that, who, who's Putin, Dalai, Belarus? You told me Belarus hasn't got human well, rights well, What's that got to do with it? You're, ta- you're defending you're, NATO.
4: You're defending NATO.
1: Yes, so defend
4: it. Defend it. Don't defend it by talking about Stalin or yes. Belarusia. Defend the conduct of NATO. What is it well, defending? What is it defending when it Bombs for 89 days, a European capital city
1: in Belgrade. Well, we know that Serbia has done what they've done. They've caused horrific conflict in the area. They wouldn't let the other countries be independent. You know what I mean? Simon, this, the is, the poorest, Simon, this George, is the
4: Simon, this is the poorest defence. You you are supporting war. You just opposed to some wars, but you're in favor of others. Why did NATO invade Libya?
1: They didn't invade Libya. They conducted airstrikes and supported. Well, different from so conducting in the airstrikes war.
4: isn't an inva- conducting an airstrike actually thousands of them yeah. is not an invasion.
1: Oh, you want, when Well, Gaddafi was on the hit list for ages. We knew that, didn't we? He was down on the original Neocon hit list. Do you know what I mean? Gaddafi... But why are you defending down. that?
4: Why are you defending the next that? One how, can that would be, not, how can that be defensive, Simon? Because they were not in to mission. But, yes, they were. Did, don't don't no, 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 other countries yes, involved. Yes, they were. The bombing of Libya, in Libya was conducted by NATO. By yeah. the United a,
1: States, France and Britain. Because what, it's What's the it? same with the you know the two thousand and three invasion of Iraq, Georgia, which which I believe you you stood up against that, and you know what I mean? That's why I always respect you. At the time you was one of the only people that stood up against that. Yeah? Yeah. So I know yeah. you're an intelligent man, but another thing, stop the two thousand and three invasion of Iraq was not a NATO mission either. It was no, a no, international coalition. That's why I didn't I, that's why. That's why I didn't bring it up.
4: It was illegal yeah. under international law, uh, but it was yeah. not a NATO mission. But Libya was a NATO mission. And you have yet to say one sentence that would justify the, the massive bombardment of Libya. Never mind if we talk about its consequences, what's mm. happened since. But the, the attack on Libya, Obama describes yeah. as his big mistake of his presidency. But you're still defending it.
1: Well, we have Benghazi and all that. Yeah, I we'll defend it because ultimately, Gaddafi, had been, you know, he had to go. He was on. lived a life of luxury George. Fair enough. At least you're
4: being honest. He ultimately, had to, he had to go. Ultimately, he had to go. You're being Cause honest. Normally, well, but you're being honest. Simon, you're being honest. But you have just acknowledged that the last thing that NATO is is a defensive organization. Thank you very much for the uh, call. In a minute or so, I'll go to uh, Florida to speak to Daniel. But I just wanted to accentuate a point I made earlier. It is possible that despite a massive following, millions, on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and so on. It is possible that I will be removed from those platforms. If you are interested, even if you don't agree with me, if you are interested in my point of view, you need to follow me on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway. And if you like this show, and I think you do, More than a million of you will watch this edition. Nearly 1.3 million watched last Sunday's edition. Uh, If you like this show, the only place that you can guarantee to find it, I hope it doesn't come to that, but the only place that you can guarantee to find it is to follow me on Patreon. patreon Patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. Let's go to Daniel in... Florida. Go ahead, Daniel.
8: Hey, Mr. George. Nice talking to you again. Good, man. And you, Um, sir? I I went back and watched your video versus you, versus the United States Congress, and I just have to give you a hands up for that. That was just a phenomenal show. Thank you,
4: brother. That was my best Um, day so far.
8: Yes, I I have to agree. You know, they like to sit up high and look down on people and try to intimidate them, and the way you stood up to them was just, it it was phenomenal. Yes, sir. It's, Um, It's
4: hard to intimidate uh, a working class boy from a council Absolutely. house
8: state in scotland Absolutely. i tell you go ahead man yeah, drag them down drag them down by their tie but um yes yeah, yeah. So i just had a theory um kind of this whole Russophobe got to hate russia thing um so i grew up during the cold war um in the later stages of it you know Um, And it seems like that's kind of been lost on this younger generation. I have a 20-year-old daughter, and you you could speak to her about Russians, and she doesn't hate them. She doesn't know much about them um, besides some of their funnier videos on the Internet. And I think it's got a lot to do with um, the United States is normally the front seat driver on a lot of world-leading stuff. You know, We like to take the lead. We like other people to follow. And I I think a lot of Europeans and Americans, both political-wise, are kind of intimidated by Russia. You know, they they have such a vast country that has so many resources, and they're they're their own independent people. They don't they don't need to follow us. It's like go into space. You know, they 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 put the first satellite in space. They they put the first man in space who orbited the Earth and was there for a hundred and eight minutes. And a month later, the United States follows with probably stolen technology or paid in blood technology from. German Nazis we brought here after the war. And he, he stayed up for 17 minutes. And, and I think they're, they're intimidated by the fact that there is a, not only a bigger country with more resources out there, but they're an intelligent people that do not need to follow us. And, and I think they keep this fear stirred up because I, I really think the end goal is between Europe and the United States, we would love to break Russia into pieces and separate that pie for ourselves.
4: That's a beautiful call, Daniel. Uh, You're a very clever man, and, uh, and your analysis is absolutely spot on. The reason they wouldn't let Russia into the EU, the reason they wouldn't let Russia into NATO, the reason they want to Asianize Russia, the reason they want to build an iron curtain between Europe and Russia, is for precisely those reasons. Because Russia doesn't take orders, because it has a fighting spirit and capability uh, that can defend itself against anyone, that its prowess in science, in space, and its giganticness and the richness of its resources is truly awesome. All the reasons I love it, actually. Daniel, thanks. Uh, for that call. There's a legend on the line, so clear the decks. It's Norma in Bristol. Go ahead, Norma.
13: Hello, can you hear me?
4: Yes, very clearly.
13: Um, Honestly, George, there's not enough time, so I can't develop my points very well. So I'll speak to you on Sunday, but i will just better leave it at the moment. What I will tell you is the nice bit. I've been enjoying the um, Cheltenham Festival and oh, the horse, racing.
4: Yeah, how's it going?
13: Oh, do you know my horse at the end, the one it 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 beat it's running the national twice and it was an old horse. It was on its last race. And it was just pipped on the post right at the end. Um but it was a smashing That's race. a pity.
4: That's a yeah. pity, and that busts your uh your line. Well, uh I haven't seen any of uh Cheltenham. Uh I haven't seen much, actually. Uh, because uh, I'm consumed by work at the moment. Uh, but I did, uh, of course, see Manchester United's uh, defenestration uh, last evening, and I found it so sickening. Uh, it's quite difficult to articulate just how badly I feel about it. So uh, at least your horse was pipped at the post, Norma. Manchester United were left at the gate.
7: Yeah, that's I know. All
4: I can say. I look forward to uh, seeing you. Uh, I'll be in Bristol shortly. uh, And uh, I hope to even have a cup of tea with you. But I'll be in touch. Uh, The podcast of the show uh, will be out on uh, Friday. Uh, The podcasts are going like hotcakes, really. I don't really understand the podcast world. I'd be lying. I don't even understand the TikTok world. I was talking to Alex Rubinstein there as if I knew everything about TikTok. I don't. But I have a clever young wife who knows everything and she keeps me up to date. This time, 10 years ago, she and I were preparing for our wedding. And I was preparing to win the parliamentary by-election in the Bradford West constituency. In years. Since both those things more on both on Sunday on the mother of all talk shows I hope you'll tune in
3: then Sunday night 7pm you are listening to the mother of all talk shows podcast with George Galloway